0: Welcome to another edition of the Retirement Toolbox. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Scott Searles, financial advisor, president of Skybox Financial Group in Cleveland, and serving you also in Bradenton, Florida. Uh, So whether you're in the Cleveland area or Florida, whether you like it cold or hot, doesn't matter. Scott's in both places to be able to meet with you, chat with you, and help you. Reach your retirement goals. Make sure that your financial future is set up for success. He has more than twenty years of experience in the financial planning world, and we talk to him each episode here to find out a little bit more about what's happening in the retirement landscape and how we can all best prepare. Scott, I hope you are doing well. What's going on in your world, my friend?
1: Well, you know what? I am uh, trying. I'm getting uh, the holiday bug here. I mean, we're getting close to uh, Christmas Full force and now. I'm, yeah, yeah. This is the time when I like to come down, though. That this is the time when I like to go down to Florida, right? That's what I I try to do more meetings down there, right? The warm
0: weather at at, like you like a warm weather. Christmas is okay for you.
1: Oh, no, absolutely. Christmas Day, I want to be in the middle of a snowstorm and 10 degrees. But leading up to it, you're okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I I total I'm a white Christmas guy. I, I mean, the best the best Christmases are just you wake up in the morning and there's snow on the ground and. You know it's cold outside. Yeah, it's, it's got to feel you, like Christmas
0: outside. Yeah, you
1: fire up the fireplace, open presents, snowing I've, outside. I've had I mean,
0: Christmases in the seventies, and it's just like, oh gosh, what is this?
1: Yeah, I this mean, just it, isn't right? It, no, it, it, I. It, when it comes to Christmas, that's the only day of the year when I would love and welcome a snowstorm for sure. All right, well that's good. At least you're not a
0: complete weirdo that you know wants it really hot on Christmas or something like that.
1: <laughs> no, they, you know, more power to the people that like a, a nice warm Christmas where you can go swimming on Christmas morning. But there you go. There you go. I, yeah, not me. Now, I know
0: you had a big crew over for Thanksgiving. What about your Christmas festivities? Are you guys staying in town? Are you going to be going out and visiting visiting folks or are you guys hosts again?
1: Yeah, no, we don't host Christmas. Uh, we have like a kind of a round robin with my wife's aunt's and cousins where every year somebody else has the christmas so uh this year we're going to her cousin's house uh it'll be her first time actually hosting christmas and uh, my parents will be coming up from atlanta they'll be in town so we'll head over there and uh we'll do our christmas well obviously all my girls will be home we'll we'll open presents at, at our house in the morning and then uh, shoot over there about one o'clock and eat a bunch of appetizers and then we do like a gift exchange too so you know you know everybody has somebody they're assigned to buy a gift for and then we just do the gift exchange while we're there too
0: nice sounds like a good plan yeah we Mm -hmm. do the uh the white elephant and the secret santa and that kind of thing it's always it's always fun i think the the white elephant type christmas thing is always my favorite i like the stealing of gifts and the fun and the camaraderie of all that
1: yep yep now we do uh we do that with our friends. We have a group of friends. We get oh, together. Nice. We do that. We do kind of a, a white elephant kind of thing.
0: That's cool. And friends, that maybe even more fun to do it with because you can be a little edgier and just a little bit more, you know, poking at each other, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I don't. I. You know. I feel bad when I make one of my nieces or nephews cry. You know, so. <laughs> but if it's a friend, you know, who cares at that point? Give me that package. <laughs> Over here,
0: kid. Give me the package. I love it. I love it. I I still think uh, one of the best gifts that we ever did for White Elephant was a whole bunch of lottery tickets. And people were fighting over those lottery tickets. But one of the stipulations of the gift was every time it was stolen, one of the tickets had to be scratched off. So you actually knew what the value of the tickets was, plus the unknown value of what had not been scratched off yet. So it it created a lot of intrigue for the night, that's for sure. So so you let them know
1: it was lotto tickets ahead of time. Uh well like how did no, they know they were lotto tickets?
0: Well, the first person to open the gift then obviously it then revealed okay these are lotto gotcha. tickets and then yeah. the then there was a note explaining the rule that you had to scratch one off every time it was it was traded or stolen.
1: All right, so we do it a little bit differently is that we do the stealing before the presents are opened. Oh so you're just stealing So you're based guessing on the on box? box. You're oh. like, yeah, this is a heavy one, you know, so we're like, oh, we're going to go with the I want I the heavy one or I want the big one. Or, oh, Boy, I think this one is okay. this. You know what I'm saying? So for so us th- that's
0: that's round 1 is you you select just based on what the present looks like or feels like. Okay. But then you unwrap it, and that then the stealing can commence from there. But, okay, well, that's an interesting version. If you just do all of the stealing based on the box, then unwrap it to see what you ended up with. That's another cool version of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the way we did it. I, there, You could do it a ton of different ways, I guess. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, that one has a cool surprise factor at the end where the other one creates more fervor for what the popular thing is that everybody wants to steal and that kind of thing.
1: Yep, yep.
0: Yeah. So. Yep. That's pretty cool. I mean, we may have to try that variation one year, and, and and just for a little something different.
1: Well, in your version, if you buy a crappy gift and no one steals it, you kind of feel bad, right?
0: Like, right. Why does no one want my gift? Well, usually that's <laughs> on purpose. Like you've because we throw a few stinkers in there on purpose because it's like, oh, who's going to get left with the you know parrot or something weird? You know, uh, we we we've, we've had some weird gifts in the past. Oh, we had one that I was a gag gift. It was like a a cat shower curtain and the cat was like in the stars in the galaxy and wearing like aviator sunglasses oh my gosh we have that in our bathroom at home do you really no i'm 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 just kidding (laughs) so we we got that as a gag gift and people fought over it like it was the greatest gift ever you know it was just so funny what people like latched onto. So because some people like that kitschy, goofy stuff like that, you know. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So, in any event.
0: uh, Well, hopefully everybody's getting ready for the uh, holiday season already in the midst of it and uh, going to get some good time with family and friends over the next couple of weeks. We've got mm-hmm. some business to take care of, though, Scott, on our last podcast of 2021, we're going to be talking about handling unreasonable requests. Boy, I'm sure none of us will be receiving unreasonable requests from family members and friends as we work through the holidays here over yeah. the next couple of weeks. But
1: I've got I've got four daughters.
0: I receive unreasonable you're requests n- you're every an day. Expert at this, yes, yes. yes. Um, no wonder you wanted to talk about this topic today. Uh, So that's what we're going to dive into, how to handle unreasonable requests in the financial world, and uh, I think that'll be a good discussion. We've also got a good listener question today uh, from Elizabeth, who's got a question about a pension fund from a previous job and some other details. And so we'll get into that, and we're going to find out from Scott the hardest job that he has ever had in his life. So that'll be a lot of fun to chat about, too. All that and more coming up on today's show. But let's dive into the main stuff here, Scott. Certainly none of our listeners are going to be guilty of making unreasonable requests in their lives or in the financial world. We know your daughters are are guilty of it. Uh, But let's talk about some of the unreasonable requests we do hear from others, I'm sure, when you meet with them, or it just might be an unreasonable request that they have about their plan, their expectations, Mm -hmm. perhaps, and explore what proper expectations maybe look like instead. So I know this is a popular one, right? Like, we all want our cake and eat it, too. We want bigger returns, but we don't want to take the risk. We want little to no risk for those bigger returns. Pretty unreasonable, right?
1: Well, Walter, uh, that's what I want, too. Doesn't everybody want that? Yeah, why not? Yeah. And You know, sometimes with unreasonable requests, too, people don't realize that they're unreasonable. You know, so you know this one might be a little obvious right but i do get this all the time though that people will come in and they say i want to make money without losing money and i said well we can certainly do that but you have to understand that that's called a bank account and you're going to get 0.0003 that's not necessarily going to meet your goals you're not going to outpace inflation you're not going to be able to fund your whole retirement growing at 0.003 but yeah so you know, everybody wants to grow their money and not lose money, but that you can't, like you said it perfectly, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You know, sometimes you can utilize annuities. People will utilize annuities for this. You know, the annuity salesman, you go and they give you a free steak dinner and uh, they are sell you an annuity, right? With the whole idea being that if the market goes up, your account goes up. If the market goes down, your account stays flat. Now, you know, there's nothing unreasonable about that. That is a legitimate financial tool and you can utilize that for a portion of your funds. But you can't use it for everything because they're too restrictive. They lock you up for 10 years or whatever the case may be. You're only allowed to take 10% free withdrawals. You're deferring your taxes. You might be making your tax problem much bigger later on down the road for your family. You don't want to have all your money in there and try to do it that way because there's a trade-off with everything in the financial world. So, You know, the whole idea here is that you get a portfolio that is at the risk level you're comfortable with and will be able to meet your goals. You know what the expectations are. You know, you know, how much can it drop? How much should we expect from a return? And then, you know, if you know that indeed that fits your situation, your plan, then it's, you know, then that portfolio will be good for you. But unfortunately, you know, you can't crank out 40% returns and not have an opportunity to lose any money.
0: Yeah, got to keep those expectations reasonable in that realm, no doubt about it. All right, something else that I'm sure you hear all the time, Scott, and this one's a little bit interesting. Um, And so it's not so much about finding like the hidden fees inside somebody's portfolio but they might just come to you and say hey uh, can you reduce your fees for me or is the way that you get paid negotiable that's it seems like a fair question
1: but is it an unreasonable request you know what actually ironically i don't get this a ton our fees are very transparent they're very clear and i tell everybody that you know what we are going to I want you to see value. That's a multiple of what my fee is. And every quarter, you're going to get that statement. You're going to see what our fees are. We're going to see how much we deduct out of your TD Ameritrade account. And if in any quarter you feel that it's not worth it, then come and talk to me. But obviously, I run a business. And I tell everybody that, that fee needs to be fair for both of us uh you need to be able to getting value and, and you know we need to be able to, to make money at the same time too so i just want it to be fair you know the the i always make a joke and and that occasionally when i do have somebody that that says well are your fees negotiable and uh i say well yeah sure instead of paying us one and a quarter percent you can pay us one and a half
0: <laughs> it always gets yeah. a little chuckle. No, it's good i like that
1: so so uh yeah you know what I, I don't get it occasionally but uh You know, I I think, you know, in our case is that we provide a lot of value for that fee. So it really doesn't really become that much of an issue. Fees are only an issue in the absence of value. Oh, say that again. I like how you ended that. Fees are only an issue in the absence of value. Wow. That's powerful. Nice. Nice quote. Yeah, I can pull out some good ones. That's a quotable moment right there. Fantastic. Yeah. I like that a lot. Well, if you use that on anything else, you just send me the check.
0: Just got to say, you got to whisper trademark whenever you say that sentence. Tra- trademark. <laughs> Copyright. Whatever the proper one of those is. Uh, all right. Very good. So can you reduce your fees for me? Interesting. You don't end up hearing that a ton. So uh, that's cool. All right. What about this one? Uh, how can I get out of paying taxes on the money in my IRAs and 401Ks? I mean, it's a good question to ask, right? But is that an unreasonable request?
1: It is because you can't, uh, can't you know legally, that, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can't legally. You know, there, there's been plenty of people who have tried, and and they they send in a nice uh, three by three cell with with bars on the front of it, but no, you can't, unfortunately. You know, that's what you signed up for. You put money in that 401k all the way the whole time while you're working. You didn't pay taxes when you were putting money in. And then that account has grown. And then now when it comes time to take money out of that 401k or that IRA, you have to pay taxes on it. Now, with that said, we do have strategies we utilize with our clients where we can help to minimize those taxes in the future. But what that means is doing Roth conversions or... Backdoor Ross or you know Mega Ross or, or different types of strategies we utilize, but that means that you're going to pay taxes now on that money, and then at some point in time in the future, you know, you're going to be able to get that money back out tax-free and not have to pay taxes on that money. But once it's in that 401k or that IRA, it is not coming out without taxes being owed on it.
0: Good to know. And yeah, that's an unreasonable request just because you can't really do that. So yeah. that's when we've got to understand. But I understand why people think that way. I mean, one, we all want to minimize taxes. And two, there's a lot of marketing out there. And I think we're even, um, I don't know what, I don't want to say guilty of this, Uh, Scott, but I mean, we talk about the tax-free retirement toolkit here on the show. absolutely. Because there are ways that we can have tax-free retirement in other ways, but your IRAs and your 401ks aren't really necessarily included in that
1: bunch. You have to get yourself to that point where you can have a tax-free retirement. But unfortunately, you don't just start there. You need to work yourself to that point. And the earlier you start planning for that tax-free retirement, you know, the earlier you can be at a tax-free retirement. And, you know, to to preface it too, I mean, uh, you know, tax rates can change, tax laws can change. And what we put in place now to get you a tax-free retirement may not necessarily even be a tax-free retirement by the time you'd get there.
0: Great points. All right. One last one here. Unreasonable requests in the financial world is when somebody comes in and says, can you just do it for me? Well, isn't that what you're there for, Scott? Why is that unreasonable?
1: Yeah, the old, if I send my statements over, can you tell me if it looks good and just, you know, do, put do together for me? Do I even need to come in. For <laughs> me. Yeah. Some financial advisors may work that way. Uh, we don't. Because it, it, we want to make sure that the strategies we put in place are perfect for you, that they're going to work for you and your family for, for the next generation, too. So, yeah, it requires a lot more. It requires a lot more research, a lot more work. And, and you know, I also get, can you do it for me in different ways, too? Like... Uh, you know, for instance I'll have clients that'll say what well, hey can you just log in to my 401k and switch around my allocation well no I can't I mean, it's against the law uh I can't have clients usernames and passwords for anything so uh you know but but I can help you can come in and we can do it together you can log in and I can help you but I can't just do that for you I I can't just you know look at your statements and create a an investment strategy for you I can't just you'll create a worry-free retirement blueprint without meeting for with you. So, yeah, unfortunately, everything we do is customized. And the whole idea there is that it's creating a lot of value for you and a value for your family. And it does require you having a vested interest in putting some work into the creating that plan or that strategy also.
0: All right, Scott, very helpful information. Thanks for breaking all of that down for us. And if you have questions about something we've talked about so far, I know we've been discussing unreasonable requests, and we don't want to scare anybody off, Scott. I mean, if somebody comes in with an unreasonable request, it's not like you kick them out of the office, right? It's just about getting education and setting proper expectations at that point.
1: Yeah, we have a conversation about it. They say, well, you know, I want to be able to make 30% a year and a lot lose money. I said, well, then we need to have a conversation about that. And, you know, it's that risk and reward conversation. If you you take more risk, you get more reward. If you take less risk, you get less reward. So yeah, there's no cake and have it too. It's just education. You're exactly right.
0: Well, if you want to talk to Scott some more about your particular situation, come on in, have a conversation with him by dialing 888- 742-0111. Seven four two zero one eleven. Again, if you don't have all of your statements and things like that pulled together yet, no big deal. Just give them a call. Set up that time to visit 888 Or even easier, just go to talktoscott.com on your smartphone or computer, and you can schedule a time on Scott's calendar that easily. Just go to talktoscott.com, click a couple of buttons, and boom, you're set up for your initial free consultation with Scott and the team at Skybox Financial Group. And we'll also put that contact info in the show notes of today's program. There you have it. Unreasonable requests in the financial world. Hope that helps you out. Now it's time to get to know Scott a little bit better. It's getting to know you time. All right, Scott, my question for you this week, sort of a follow-up to last week's question. We had talked about the first official job you ever had on the last episode. This time around, though, I want to know what's the hardest job you've ever had?
1: Well, actually I mentioned it on the last episode. It is the probably the hardest job I ever had was landscaping. I figured I it was gonna seniors. be
0: the landscaping one, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I enjoyed it. I loved it. It was tons of fun being outside. I was with my buddies. But physically, I mean, you are cutting, you know, big you know, these aren't like ma and pa houses. I mean, we're cutting big industrial complexes and you know, we may do four or five of those a day. It was a lot of work. You know, I was a young kid and, you know, it wasn't a problem back then. Now I, you know, probably keel over after the first property we do, but, you know, that was physically the hardest job I ever did, but it wasn't hard in the aspect that I, I really enjoyed doing it. So it was, I enjoy going to work every day and, you know, I got a good, I got a good suntan. I was fit because I was, you know, who knows if I had a a Fitbit or Apple Watch back then who knows how many steps I was putting in a day.
0: Oh, you probably were in the twenty thousand range, I would imagine. Probably. Probably. At at, at least with as much walking as you would be doing uh multiple houses and properties a day like that. Yeah. Yep.
1: yep. I mean you did it and did it every day and did on Saturdays. And even in the winter, I would plow snow for the company too when I was in high school. Oh nice. So I, oh that's cool. Yeah. I had a little pager. I get a page at like you know, there was no cell phones and I get a little page at two in the morning that I had to go and, you know, get on the road and plow some snow. I was actually what we were doing, me and my buddy, uh, we were doing a lot of the sidewalks and stuff like that with, uh, like a snowblower. Oh, that's you know, cool. Like, yeah. Very neat.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yep. Physical. I mean that, that physical labor certainly would, it's probably something that sticks with you for a while in terms of it being hard for sure. I would say I didn't. I didn't have any physical labor jobs growing up. Um, the one I did have was working at the newspaper. I worked in the circulation department for a while. So stacking newspapers, getting ink all over you, paper cuts everywhere. Um, you know, b- picking up big, you know, uh, bales of you know newspaper, wrapping the twine around them, moving all these big storage things around, and then. The hardest thing was when we had to recycle all of uh, the—we were a recycled destination for people's magazines and old newspapers. So we would take these humongous recycle bins. We'd have to load them onto an 18-wheeler and then by hand empty out these humongous bins into the trailer. And we're talking in North Carolina, middle of the summer bright sunshine beating down on an 18-wheeler that's just sitting there for weeks at a time. They would just park this trailer back there, and once it got full, someone would come and pick up the trailer and go empty it and then bring it back, and then it would sit there for months while we filled it up with recyclable newspapers and magazines again. But I guess the company like or whoever organized all of that, you know, you want to get that thing as full as you possibly can. So it wasn't just as simple as just tilt over this enormous, you know, this enormous garbage can onto the floor of the 18 wheeler. And then you're done. We had to Mm -hmm. literally like bend into the trash can to pull up all of those papers and stuff and throw them high into the back of the trailer. So we try and build up the, you know, the trash mountain essentially at the front of the trailer and then, you know, build it all the way back. And that was some physical labor. I mean I know oh, it doesn't yeah. sound like those are heavy things, but when you're trying to do it efficiently and you're picking up, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty magazines at a time in your arms, leaning into a big bin, lifting them up, putting them over your head, and then chucking them as hard as you can in a hundred and ten degree heat. Yeah, it was uh that was probably the hardest thing. It was yeah, fun the first. Few, it was fun the too first, though. <laughs> the, the first few were bad,
1: but then it started wearing on you. Yeah. Got a, got a little old, yeah.
0: But yeah. as a seventeen year old it was pretty fun to you know, work outside and get hot and sweaty and, you know, that kind sure. of thing. So it was kind of like your landscaping. It was just fun to fun to do for a little while.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, cool. Uh, hard jobs, kind of fun to look back on them, right? Not so much maybe when you're in them, though, and you, when you're in the back of the trailer and it's 110 degrees or landscaping and you're on your step number 20,000 of the day. Uh, yep. Perhaps not as fun in the moment. Well, there you go. Uh, Getting to know Scott a little bit better on today's show. More on the way. We're going to answer one of your questions coming up next. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. All right. Our question this week comes to us from Elizabeth. And Elizabeth says, Scott, I have a pension fund from a previous job in a different state that's just been sitting there for years. I have the option to take a lump sum and invest the money myself. Should I do that or just leave it where it is and get a monthly pension when I retire?
1: You know what, Elizabeth, this is a great question. And I run across this all the time. So there's a lot of different things to consider. Um, One of the things you should think about, so first of all, is your income. I mean, do you need to have extra monthly income every month? And don't forget, when you get that pension, that pension is going to be taxable. So it's going to get added to your taxable income. So sometimes it may make sense for you to do a lump sum because what that lump sum will allow you to do is manage the taxes better, take it out in different years, maybe convert that. When a pension is rolled over, it rolls over as an IRA. So you can actually convert that to a Roth and reduce that tax liability later on down the road as well as, as for your family. The other thing is, is it a public or private pension? So for instance, if you work for, a government agency, a county, or state, or something, and you have a pension from there, then that might affect how your Social Security and how much Social Security you get. Um, so, if you take that lump sum, you know that's a way that you can help to alleviate that in years down the road. So, you know, whether you take a lump sum or take the pension, I mean, that's kind of a, a personal choice on what works best for your situation. I mean, a blanket answer would be, yeah, lump summit, you can control the taxes, you can control the investments better, and you can end up having a lot more money. But that's not always, you know, that may be the right answer 80% of the time, but 20% of the time, it may actually make more sense to actually take the income stream. So uh, if you got questions, just go to talktoscott.com, set up a time to talk, and I'll I'll be more than happy to walk you through your your specific situation, Elizabeth.
0: It's funny, sometimes we talk about um, the importance of creating your own pension in retirement and, uh, and, and making sure you're getting that income like a pension in retirement. Other times we're saying, okay, you've got the pension, but you can actually do this a better way, you know, X, Y, and Z. <laughs> so it's kind of neat yeah. to see uh, Everybody's different Everybody's situation's situation. different. Well, there you go. Exactly. Uh, And you have to go through that analysis to figure out what your situation entails and what's going to be best for you. And so great question. Thank you for sending that one in, Elizabeth. If you want to go through a free consultation with Scott and get answers to questions like that, is it best for me to take my pension or what about my 401k? Should I convert to a Roth IRA? These are just questions that kind of scratch the surface of what Scott covers in his planning process. And so if you want to find out more about that, schedule a time to visit and see if you're a good fit to work with one another, reach out by going to talktoscott.com. That's talktoscott.com or call 888-742-0111. And we will get you all hooked up and set up with a time to meet with Scott. And check the show notes for today's show if you want to uh, see all that contact info easily. Scott, appreciate your help. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas to you. I hope you have uh, just a wonderful couple of next weeks with holidays and happy new year and all that good stuff. And we'll be back rolling again in 2022.
1: Yeah, you too, Walter and everybody out there. Have a blessed and happy Christmas and happy holidays. And uh, go podcast.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Scott. We'll see everybody next time on the Retirement Toolbox.